man, was it last night something special? Come on, how many of you were here last night? How many? Oh my gosh. The presence of God saturated the entire room, and uh, we could have gone forever, but we recognize there's other things happening. What God, I mean, God was pouring out His Spirit in, on the little ones, uh, in, in, the, in the kids' ministry. Come on, does that not just validate what God is doing in this weekend? And, and uh, I... Um, I'm just so moved. I've been moved for the last two weeks thinking about this. You know, normally when you make this long trip and flight from the States to America, you're going to make the most of it and you're going to try and hit as many churches as possible while you're here. And I felt like the Lord really put it in my heart. You're just here for Hope Center. And, and I really feel like that is because God had some intentions for all of us this weekend. I may just be the vessel that brings a message, but I'm telling you, I'm receiving just as much as you are. I am preaching to myself. And, and with that being said, you know, I don't do no quiet church. Uh, I'm too Mexican for that. All right. I smuggle things and I shout back. All right. This is what I do. And so I, I need you to talk back to me. Can you do that? I know it's Saturday. I know you've had some rest. I know you got an extra cup of coffee out there, but I need you to respond back to the word. Are, are you with me? I, I like... I like playing on my home court uh, in basketball because it meant I had the most crowd support. It meant I was going to have the most weight in, in the arena. Well, I believe the word of God should have the most crowd support whenever it's at church. And I think we need to talk back to the word. So can you do that tonight? Hope Center, can I hear you just a little bit? Can you do that? Awesome, awesome. I want to dive right in. And uh, let's uh, turn on your Bible and go to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings, the 6th chapter. I, I really feel a prophetic edge uh, 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 for tonight's message. I really do. Um, I... If I could say anything, if there was one topic outside of my family, I'm talking about my marriage and my kids that God always speaks to me about, honestly, the one topic he has spoke, spoken to me more in the last 24 months is about spiritual sight. Because I believe that there has been so much blindness, there has been so much deafness, there, there's been so much disruption happening in the lives of people that it, they've had blurred, skewed, or false vision for their life or about the church or the kingdom of God. It feels like darkness is winning when that's not true. It feels like we're overwhelmed and which is not true. I mean, there is something about having significant sight. It's not just if you see, it's how you see. And I want to speak to that tonight. I want to speak to carrying significant spiritual sight. My Bible says, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Are you following me? Now, Isaiah was transformed. Remember, Isaiah was a preacher of righteousness. The first five chapters, he's like, woe to the drunkard, woe to the wicked, woe to all those who call evil good uh, and, uh, and good evil. And then he has an encounter with God and he sees the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And an angel comes and takes a coal from the altar of God and puts it on his tongue. And all of a sudden it's no longer woe is a drunkard, woe to the wicked, woe to those who call evil good and uh, evil good and good evil. It's now woe is me. Because he was able to see something completely different. And there is something about spiritual sight. And, and I love this text right here in 2 Kings chapter 6. Let me give you some background. We're parachuting in the middle of a situation here. In 2 Kings 6, you have the king of Assyria is always creating conflict with the nation of Israel. And he will come up with these wicked, demonic ideas on how to invade and perhaps maybe take ground away from the nation. And so he'll, he'd come up with a, an idea in the middle of the night and he'd call all of his generals, his advisors, his counselors together and he'd say, I want to execute this strategy. Well, as soon as it left his mouth, it ended up in their hearing, but it also ended up in a pair of ears he did not expect. And that was the prophet Elisha. Now, I love Elisha so much, I named my oldest son after this prophet. His name is Elisha. And Elisha, the Bible says, would hear. And the Bible was very clear. It said, time and again, Elisha would hear what the wicked king would say. Even in the private, watch this, he, he would hear everything he would say. There was not one plan, there was not one thing. He would hear everything he would say. And so he would tell the king, he'd say, hey, you're about to be invaded, the king of Israel. You're about to be invaded. You better send reinforcements and garrisons to this site at this place on this time. And you need this many. And sure enough, they would fight off the surprise attack. The Bible's very clear. This happened time and again. So this didn't just happen one time, family. All right. This happened all the time. Okay. And so if you're wicked, that's going to frustrate you. 
Because you have dark plans and you can't execute them. So they, they get so frustrated. So finally this wicked king is so frustrated. He sits there and calls all the generals, all the advisors, all the counselors. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. Which of you is the traitor? Which of them? There's a, there's a leak in my administration. People be tweeting out everything I'm trying to do out here. And uh, who, who's the traitor? And they're like, oh, oh, oh. It's not us, my lord, the king. Um, they have a prophet who hears everything you say, even in the privacy of your own bedroom. I mean, that's awkward. The The Bible comes out of nowhere sometimes. God's like, I hear everything, even in your bedroom. I mean, like God is on it. God's wild, right? So, so this king's like, well, tell me where this prophet is at that I may seize him. Well, reports come back and say, Elisha is at Dothan. And Dothan, in the original language, means cutting. That's a whole different message right there, but you'll get it at the end. It means cutting. And so he sends an entire army after one guy. And we're going to read right here in verse 14. It says, so one night, the king of Syria sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere oh sir what will we do now elisha's servant the young man cried to out to elisha don't be afraid elisha told him for there are more with us than against us come on we could have church right there don't be afraid for there is always more with us than against us then elisha prayed oh lord open his Eyes. Say that with me. Lord, open his eyes. Say it one more time. And let him see. The Lord opened this young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Man, there is so much to unpack in all of this. But first, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, I am so grateful and humbled by the way you have met us this whole weekend. I'm so grateful for the atmosphere that's in this room right now. I I, I just, I recognize faith for breakthrough. I recognize hunger. Lord, I recognize quality worship, not just the motions of the songs and keeping up with the lyrics on the screens, but I want to touch God's heart for no other reason except to make sure that he is blessed today. God, I thank you that you have a tribe of hungry ones. You have devoted ones. You have those that are longing and desiring for a fresh outpouring of your spirit on their life. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would not reserve your best for tomorrow, God, that you would collide in the freshest way, in the strongest way, in the best way that you would bring it not later but now God we call what's next into now we don't wait for tomorrow we don't want it on Monday God we have got to have your presence tonight in a measure that we've never had before Lord may we see the king and see the kingdom and may we see things that be not as though they were would you open our eyes tonight in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said amen I feel a prophetic edge on the message today. I, I want to speak to you from a title, but I don't have, I have to preface it before I give you the title. I have no political, cultural propaganda attached to this title. All right. No lie. When God gave me this message, I felt like this is a dope title. I'm going to call it, we're going to call this message this. I want to speak to you from the subject called Stay Woke. Now, I am not talking about a sorry natural wokeness because natural wokeness only notices the problem but it never brings a solution to the conversation this is what i love about spiritual wokeness is that you can see problems you can see pain but you also know the healing you can see the issues but you also know what the clarity is 
You, you can see the conflict, but you also know how to come and resolve. There is something about woke people. I don't know about anybody else, but when God touched my life, I looked at things completely different. I looked at the way I had relationships. I look at the habits in my life. I look at the way I was forming my character and my integrity. There is something when God touched me, he woke me up out of my sin. The Bible says he woke us up out of death and into life. And I'm so grateful that I never want to catch another good sleep when God God is on the move. I don't want my spirit going dormant. I don't want my life going dormant. I don't want anything going numb. I don't want anything in conflict. I want to be woken up in the deepest places of my life that I may be resting in the natural, but I'm still dreaming with God in the spiritual. Where are the woke people at who've had a touch of his grace, a touch of his mercy, a touch of his goodness? Come on, do I have any woke people in the room tonight? We need woke people again. I remember one time I was, uh, I was coming out of the gym and uh, don't be that impressed. It was a dodgeball tournament and, and, uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I like to win. Uh, I hate to lose. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, I, I don't play just to play. Okay. I don't, I don't know where we learn this. Okay. I don't play to play. I play to win. I don't play to have fun. I play to win. All right. And we got eliminated early and I don't want to talk about it. So I remember, um, I'm walking out. And I get this text message on my phone. It's three text messages. Have you, do you know these people who could easily send their one message, but they choose to send it in 27? Like, hey, how are you? What's the move tonight? You know, like stuff like that. You're like, bro, just send me, you have an attention seeking problem. You just need to send me one text message. These are my kids. My kids do this. Dad, send. I'm like, dude, one, just one text. All right. Cause then I have notifications that I have to go and undo. And I can't, anyway, so, so like I get three text messages. First one was like, yo, what's up? No lie. Next one, is this Darnisha? Next text message, this Antoine from Saturday night. Now, honest to God, Pastor Wayne, before Jehovah God, all right, I meant to text back. This is not Darnisha. But the autocorrect on my phone sent back, this is Darnisha. To which Antoine hit back. He was like, sup, girl. So I didn't have anything else to do. So I just responded back. I said, nothing. He, 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 emoji, emoji, emoji. And baby, it was on. I, listen, I'm that pastor. I am that pastor. I promise you. I, I, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but I'm not going to be bored in mine. All right? So I... I I hit back nothing, hee hee, emoji, emoji, and baby, we was talking. He said, what you doing right now? I said, well, I just got out the gym. I'm kind of tired. He said, you should go to bed then. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. look at Antoine. Speak, 10 seconds of my life speaking godly direction into my life. So I go home, I shower, I get in bed. Anyone that knows me, like on my normal routine, I go to bed at 9 and I'm up about 4.35 every morning. I've just always been that way since high school. I, I love being the first open, first one up in the, and some of you are like, that's demonic. See, that's your problem right there. Anyways, so I, I, anyone that knows, I go to bed early and, and on our team, on our family, they know if you text me after nine, I'm not texting you to the next day. So I'm lying in bed, I'm falling asleep. And all of a sudden I hear the on my phone and I pick up the phone. I'm thinking that could only be one person. <laughs> sure enough, it was Antoine. He said, sweet dreams, baby girl. It's a true story. So, so I grabbed my phone and I was like, <laughs> I'm laughing out loud. I'm literally laughing out loud. I'm like, <laughs> you don't even know. You don't know. Right? I'm laughing. And then my wife says, who's that? I, I, you ever try to make something sound normal? I, I said, that's Antoine. <laughs> and she's like, who's Antoine? I said, well, um, and, and she's like, Who, what does Antoine want? I said, well, he, he, um, he, he want to talk to Darnisha. <laughs> she said, who's Darnisha? I said, well, life's funny. I said, I guess I'm Darnisha. She said, hold on. You're a married man pretending to be a woman talking to another man. I said, baby, when it's, when you say it like that, it sounds bad. This went on for two weeks. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm having a good time. I am a walking party. We're going to laugh with you with me. I promise you that, right? I, I, I mean, I would literally like take screenshots 
of our conversations and upload it to my social media. I had a hashtag that was being followed. It's called Days of Darnisha. Darnisha with an E because she's a deep soul, independent woman. But I like I had this flash, this hashtag, and people were following, messaging me from all the world. They're like, "You're the best pastor ever. Keep it going. Keep it going." And I would have. I I promise I would. I'd have kept it going to the day. And but all of a sudden, about that two week mark, Antoine was like, "Hey, hey, I want to see you again." I mean, like, yeah, you, you and I both know some, some things have changed <laughs> since the last time you saw Darnisha. Maybe upgraded, probably upgraded, I don't know, but the, some things are different, right? He said, hey, I want to see you again. I knew as soon as he saw me, he would recognize I am not who I said I was. I believe that's exactly what the enemy is afraid of right now. Because God has been working overtime on your behalf to expose every demon, to expose every assignment, to expose every attack, to expose everything that could come against his church, his bride, your life, your marriage, your finances, your babies, or this sacred weekend. And I'm here to tell you, he is waking you up. And it's not just so you could be a part of a church. It's not just so you could end up in a service. It's because he has a destiny that needs to start having some feet and some rhythm and some pace. There needs to be some spiritual blood flowing through your veins. We need woke people again. We don't need people blinded or impressed by headlines anymore. We need people who know that God is still moving in Brisbane. God has not forgotten Australia. And he's causing people to see things in a totally different way. We need woke people again who are not moved by social media feeds and opinion polls and headlines or culture wars and opinions. We need people who are only awakened by his word or in the place of prayer or through fasting and worship. Where are the woke at tonight? Where are the hungry ones at tonight? Where are the dangerous ones? I'm talking about the burning ones. Where is the woke at? If you're going to stay woke, I want to give you three things you say with your life. Three things you say with your life. Number one, you get to say, I'm ahead. I live ahead. I don't live behind. I'm always staying ahead. You know, I've met a lot of great believers who, for some reason or another, they are convinced that they're always behind. That somehow God... And the devil know more about their life and their future than they do. Which is not even true. That's not even biblical. The the enemy is not omnipresent. He's not alpha and omega beginning and end. He's not omniscient. He's not in it. It's not even theologically sound. What the enemy does recognize is certain spiritual characteristics. He recognizes certain spiritual patterns. He sees you coming to an encounter weekend and he says, that's exactly how Azusa Street started. That's exactly how the Welsh revival started. That's exactly how Cane Ridge started. Are you following me? That's exactly what happened here hundreds of years ago while people were gathered and praying and they just decided, I'm going to let go of my schedule. I'm going to get rid of my priorities and all I'm going to set my heart to do is be in the presence of Almighty God. I'm going to chase after Him for the next 72 hours and I expect to never be the same. I want to walk away different because I'm ahead. I had this, uh, I had this student... In, a, in our church, he, um, he, he was uh, taking a nap before the youth service. And in the nap, he had a dream. And in the dream, the Lord Jesus came to him. And Jesus gave him a, a, one of these big Ziploc bags, these plastic bags, one of these big ones. And, um, and, and said, I want you to go to this grocery store. You're going to stand in the pharmacy, the chemist aisle. And you're going to pray for everyone that picks up a prescription. And everyone that you pray for, I'm going to heal. So this kid wakes up out of the dream, jumps in his car, drives to that specific grocery store, forgets the Ziploc bag. I mean, true teenager, right? So, like, rolls up into this, I forget what it was, rolls up in this grocery store, and he sees there is a line of people waiting to pick up their prescriptions. A woman happens to pick up her prescriptions, and he stops her and says, excuse me, ma'am. She says, yes. He said, "Um, listen, um, I'm a Christian, And God spoke to me and he told me that I was supposed to come here. And he's saying this with a line of people eavesdropping into this conversation. He's like, God told me, like I had a dream and he told me to come here and pray for everyone who is picking up prescriptions because he's going to heal you. And I don't know what's wrong, but can I pray for you? 
And she was like, yeah, absolutely. This is what I love about lost people. Lost people have no doubts. It's church folk. That if I were to walk up to and say, God gave me you in a dream. And he told me your name and your blood type, your favorite color. He told me your, your, your number. He told me your phone number. He told me everything. You would be like, no, I'm, I'm believing for my healing brother. It's the truth. So this one, he says, can I pray for you? And this woman's like, yeah. He says, well, what can I pray for about? She says, I live in constant pain. I have constant back pain. And I take these meds. And all they do is take the edge off the pain. But they don't fully take away the pain. And he says, no problem. God's going to do that. And this is what I love. He's a six-year-old kid. And he says, can I pray for you? And she said, yeah. And so he goes and lays her hand on his shoulder, lays his hand on her shoulder. And, and what's interesting is he doesn't pray this dynamic, uh, 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 special, well, uh, wordsmith prayer. It's just a simple prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this back to be healed and this pain to never return. And I ask it in your name. Amen. When he said amen, this woman went, whoa, just like that. True story. He, 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 said, this, he said amen. She went, whoa. He said, what happened? She said, I felt something. He said, well, do something you couldn't do. She's like, okay. And she does this. <laughs> Anytime someone's back gets healed, this is automatic right here. This is what they're doing right here. And she keeps coming up and down, up and down, up and down. She's sitting there going. <laughs> and she's like moving it around. I mean, every, like a TikTok dance, you know what I'm saying? Like. She's moving it around and, and gets totally healed. Well, the whole line's watching this and people are like, I'm starting to cry. And he's like, you're next, you're next, get ready. You're like, he's working a line at the altar, right? She is so convinced of her healing. She took the prescription meds and threw it at the kid and walked out the store without him. She was like, no, I'm totally healed. She gave him the prescription. She just paid money for and walked out completely healed. An employee at the grocery store saw what was happening is in tears crying, comes over with a Ziploc bag and says, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to give this to you. The kid's like, oh yeah. So he just takes the pills, puts it in the Ziploc bag and the next person came and they got healed. The next person, they got healed. The next person, they got healed. He shows up to service. Now I am walking across the hall and he goes, hey, Pastor Chris, hey, PC, hey, check it out. He has two Ziploc bags full of pills. He's like, hey, PC, check it out. Ah, check it out. We taking ground, baby. We taking ground. He's all hyped up. Now, I see a kid with two Ziploc bags. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? This kid, I I thought he was trying to sell pills to all the other kids. Because he's got a pass, like me. (laughs) uh, Come to find, he tells me the story. Why would that happen? Because God will keep you ahead. It says time and again. Elisha would warn the king of Israel. I know how to shut down corruption. It's in when we pray and we start seeing in the spirit. You want to shut down uh, trafficking? Pray and see it in the spirit. You want to shut down smuggling? Not Tim Tams, but real smuggling? You would pray and see it in the spirit. God wants to keep you ahead. Here's the second thing that you get to say with your life. Number one, I'm ahead. Number two, I'm an ambush. Let me, let me frame this right. I am an ambush. You are not being ambushed. You are the ambush. You are not the threatened. You're the threat. You are not the minority. You are the majority. Am I talking to anybody's spirit in this room right now? You are an ambush. I I love this because did you you notice it? He says, don't be afraid. There's more with us than against us. You almost want to hear how he delivers this line. Because there's, there's some ways you preach it and it could come off a different way. I choose to think that Elisha is so shocked and stunned, almost offended that his servant doesn't see what he sees. He's like, hey, hey, don't be afraid. There's more with us than against us. I mean, I almost feel like this is the way the prophet is communicating this. And then he says, well, obviously you're not saying, so Lord, open his eyes too. Right? And immediately, God opens his eyes. I remember one day I was sitting in my office, and uh, I was typing something on my laptop, and my door was closed, and my, sit- my assistant's uh, sitting outside this office, and, and she's El Salvadorian, so she comes with all the spicy, all right, all the attitude, all the sauce, all right, all of it, all right? And so she comes with all of that, which is exactly why I hired her. So I remember I- I'm sitting with the door closed, I'm in mid-email, 
And I hear this woman come in screaming, Where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. Where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. Well, my assistant, she doesn't even miss a beat. She's like, Hey, what you come in here acting all crazy for? What you want to talk to Pastor Chris for? <laughs> now, I hear all this going on, Pastor Wayne, and I, I do what any man of God does in this situation. I go to the door and I lock the door. I, I locked <laughs> both locks on the door. <laughs> But because I'm Hispanic, I put my ear to the door to see what was going on because I'm nosy. I'm nosy. I'm nosy. This lady is hysterical. She's like, where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. Where's Pastor Chris? And, then, and she's like, hey, what you want to talk to Pastor Chris for? And she says, I was driving in my car and a voice came into my car and told me to come to this address. And someone named Pastor Chris had a message for me. Now, we have an unlisted address. There's no way you can find my office. All right. So I, I'm, I, I remember she's like, and he has a message for me. I'm, I'm behind the door like this. And I'm like, really? Because <laughs> I was like, hey, I prayed this morning. And you brought nothing up about crazy women. Dive bomb in my office. Talking about, where's Pastor Chris? He need a message for me. He got a message for me. And you didn't say nothing about that. And I'll never forget. I told the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm not ready. And the Lord responded, that's okay, son, because I'm ready. And he said, when I'm ready, that's when you're ready. I think a lot of people feel ambushed because of the unexpected or the unplanned, the unanticipated, the challenges you didn't see, the, the conflicts you could never have known were coming. When that starts happening, we think, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe we made the wrong move. Maybe, maybe we, we acted in the flesh and not faith. Maybe this was supposed to be simple and easy. And God's like, wait, 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 wait. I, I'm not here. Just, I, I'm not here. Uh, let me put you like this. God's not testing you with trouble. He's trusting you with trouble. What if we had a kingdom mindset when it came to the storms that came on our life or on the nation we live in? What if we had such a mindset that like, if something unexpected happened, we're like checking in, God, is that you or do I need to deal with this? Or, is this making sense? It, I remember I was sitting there and I'm like, Lord, I'm not ready. He said, son, that's okay because I'm ready. I mean, instantly he starts speaking to me. He, he said, son, I never promised you'd be ready. I mean, I think, I think we're too addicted to being ready. Like, we, I, I'm telling you right now, a lot of people don't move out in the things of God. That he's asking him to do. Maybe what he showed you last night or what he's speaking to you right now under the sound of this anointed uh, uh, moment. And you're like, I don't know how to move out in this. Cause, and the real feeling is not you don't have the money. It's not that you don't have to know the right relationships. We want all the ducks in the row. We want to be ready. We want to get the calendar right. We want to get the resources right. We want to get the relationships right. And God's like, no, I need you to move now. And you're like, but God, I'm not ready. I mean, he never, pro- have, you, have you read this book? Have you read, this is not full of people that had a plan. I mean, God is over here knocking out some crazy assignments. He's like, hey, hey, Noah, hey, Noah, build a boat where there's no water. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, watch, watch, trust me, it's going to rain, right? Like, he's like, hey, David, 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 D, listen, go kill a giant, but don't wear any armor. I got you, I got you, I got, yeah, yeah, like, Hey, Moses, Moses, hey, just talk to the rock. Water going to come out to rock. Water going to come out to rock. Right? Either you're smoking too much of what you're selling, or you heard God. Or is this, I'm, I feel like you're looking at me like, oh my gosh. It's, it's probably that look of, why are you in my life right now? This is, this message is irritating me. I actually prayed, what's funny is I was praying this afternoon. I was like, why do I feel a holy discomfort coming to the room? I truly believe it's because perhaps you've been seeing things that don't matter and your focus has been consumed with things that it's caused your prayers to be completely off. And so you never see any breakthrough. You never take any ground because the enemy has run a new strategy against you and you have fallen into that trap. But let it be said that Encounter Week in 2023, that God broke through and he began to open your eyes. And you could see there was more with you than against you. And there's something that erupted on the inside of you. I'm standing behind this door and I'm like, oh, really? Because you never brought anything up like this. And I said, Lord, I'm not ready. He said, that's okay because I'm ready. And when I'm ready, 
That's when you're ready. Well, this woman's getting loud now. She's like, please, let me talk to Pastor Chris. Please, let me talk to Pastor Chris. And I remember I opened the door. I said, ma'am, 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 I'm here. I'm here. Come on in. I told my sister, you come too. Because if anything pops off, I need, you know, some day one activities. You know what I'm saying? So, so I remember she like comes in and she's making a long story short. She, she starts telling me a heartbreaking story. She starts sharing. She says, I just got served papers. I'm on my fourth divorce. She says, I have children out of all of these marriages. And then she says this. She says, this is the same thing that happened to my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, and every woman in my family. And I stopped her and I said, ma'am, I know why God called you here. Because he wants to set you free. And she said, what do you mean? I said, honestly, this is a generational curse. And I believe what I'm seeing out of what you're telling me is that God sent you here because he wants to reverse it and cause the years that the enemy has stolen to you to be given back tenfold to full completion. And I said, and she's like, really? And I said, there's one thing you have to do first. And she says, what? And I said, you have to forgive not just all the men that hurt you, but stand in the place and forgive the men that hurt all the women in your family. When I asked her to forgive, she manifested a demon right there in my office. I said, ma'am, you have to forgive these people. She went, ha, ha, ha. I mean, just everything like slowed down. I'm like, Lord, I just wanted to have an easy Tuesday. Like I needed a slow one in here. Like now you're sending demon women all in this office. And I said, so now I'm like, okay, we're going to deal with this, right? So this thing's like, ah, I never get, ah, whatever, right? Again, I don't know why demons choose to be nasty. Demon juice everywhere and foaming. She's like, ah, just, I'm serious. This is a full manifestation. And I look at my assistant and she's like, <laughs> I'm like, Fine. And so we start praying. I start praying. If you will loose this woman, I release her from this this bondage. I call these chains off for her life. And there's some type of breakthrough. But let me teach you something about Latin folk. All right. When Mexicans, Hondurans, Guatemalans, Latin people. All right. When we start praying in English, that's one layer of authority. But baby, when that thing switches to Spanish, you better get out the way. No, you're going to get hurt. I mean, even God, him, Jesus himself is like, oh man, we got one activator right here. Get, get out the way. Gabriel, Michael, get out the way. That's how you got ran over last time. Remember that one woman? Right? He got out the way. And I'm not lying. That my assistant, she's like, yes, Jesus. Yeah. In the nombre de Jesus. De fuego. Levantele. Levante. She starts literally, this demon didn't have a chance. It was like 10 seconds in and this demon's like, boom, out cold. This woman gets set free, gets saved begins to release all these men through forgiveness that hurt her she joined a church which happens to be our church and is still in this church to this day now why would that happen because somebody said i'm the ambush i'm never being ambushed anymore i refuse to let this life think that it can ambush me I refuse to let corporate uh, uh, structures uh, uh, ambush me. I refuse to let finances ambush me. I refuse to let marital issues ambush I am not being ambushed. I am always, always the ambush because there are more with us than against us. The only way you live this kind of life is by the way you see. It's interesting. He's like, Lord, open his eyes. Now, can you just... Notice, I think it's important for you to notice what the Bible says, like what it actually says. I think it's equally important to notice what it does not say. Uh, did you notice what Elisha did not pray for? He never prayed, uh, uh, Lord, are you going to protect us? Lord, are you going to deliver us? Lord, are you with? He never prays that. He didn't even pray about the army he's surrounded by. He didn't pray about any of that. The only thing that he prays about is a spiritually blind servant, which is a prophetic picture of what Jesus is doing many times in our life as he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession, say, Lord, let them see what I'm doing in 2023. Let them see what I want for their life. Let them see what I've called them to. Let them see that the latter is going to be better than the former, God. Let them see the end is always better than the beginning, God. Let them see. Open! Open their eyes. Do you realize that from the beginning of time, God has been trying to open the eyes of key men and women all throughout Scripture. I mean, Abraham's over here freaking out because he wants a baby. God says, I'm going to make you father of a great nation. He wants a baby. 
Where's my baby? Where's my baby? Until finally he gets to a point where he's like, God, you promised me a baby. It's been at some like 13, 15 years at this point. He's like, it's been a long journey. Where's my baby? And God, and he's like, where's the child you promised me? Where's the child? Where is this child? And God's like, boy, go outside. This is a Christian Strata version, but he's like, boy, go outside. And he goes outside and God says, count all the stars. And everyone's like, okay, one, seven, 11. He loses count. He's like, there's no way. There's no way I can count all these stars. And then God says, exactly. So will your descendants be. They'll be innumerable like the grains of sand on the earth. What was he trying to do? Get him to see. I'm not giving you a baby. I'm birthing a nation. He's trying to get him to see. Remember Joshua? What is Joshua doing? He is on the eve. I mean, Joshua was one of the 12 spies who was convinced from the beginning we could go and take this now. But 10 bad reports polluted the entire nation and a whole generation literally had to die off in order for God to come back and use the rising generation. And so now Joshua has lived 40 years with a victory that he could not deliver. He's been pregnant with this and he cannot deliver it until now. So he has now been given a unique battle strategy to walk around the walls of Jericho. Do you remember this? And so the eve, the night before he starts by the first six days, he walks around one time. On the seventh day, he walks around seven times. Remember this? And all of a sudden, that night before they go and enact this random battle strategy, he's walking, and all of a sudden, it says that he sees a man with his sword drawn that he does not recognize. He doesn't recognize. It's Jesus. And he looks at him, and and I like Joshua. He just goes, hey, you for us or for our enemies? Who are you for? Right? Joshua's ready to kill something. Like, he's like, hey, you feeling froggy? Make me jump. I wish you would. (laughs) Like, this is, Joshua's ready to put something down, right? And he says, you for us or for enemies? But I like how God always answers. He answers, but doesn't answer. You ever notice this? You for us or for them? He's like, no. (laughs) He didn't even answer the question. You for us or for them? Nah. mm -mm. Nah. Nope. Right? He says, are you for us or for them? He says, no. But as commander of the Lord's armies, I have now come to show you. See, I have already given you Jericho. Are you seeing this? I, I, you know, I... I like to submit to you that God has been trying to open up the eyes of people since the beginning of time. In fact, it says that 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says the God of this age has blinded the minds of the people. But a part of Jesus' messianic job description is that he would restore sight to the blind. He is not talking about natural sight because the next line should be, and he will give hearing to those deaf ears. But he brings nothing up about deaf ears. So it's all about spiritual sight. The sight that was lost in the garden, he is restoring through his, through his messianic assignment. Let me, okay, you've got to read your Bible with some humor. Let me just, can I take this deeper? Is this okay? You remember John chapter 9? Jesus, um, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus walks up to a blind man. A blind man, all right? A blind man. He walks up and he goes, hey, you want to see? <laughs> I'm reading this text. And I'm like, Jesus, he's he blind. I'm like... This is Captain Obvious here. I'm going to have to tell Alpha and Omega what to do, but he blind. And, and he says, hey, you want to see? And the response of the guy is like, yes, Lord. I'm sure it went down like that. I'm sure he's like, yeah, Lord. <laughs> so he, and Jesus is like, hey, you want to see? He's like, yes, Lord. He's like, okay. Then Jesus bends over, spits in the dirt, and makes mud. He then takes the mud and puts it in the blind guy's eye. The guy doesn't even see it coming. He's blind. He's blind. You don't see none of this. He's like. Pff. I'm thinking, gee, you play too much, Jesus. You play way too much. And then he has the audacity to ask the guy, hey, what do you see? I'm like, Jesus. He literally, just read it, John 9, right? He says, hey, what do you see? And the man, listen to the man's response. I see men walking around like trees and then jesus is like okay spits in the dirt again makes more mud i mean your health services would be freaking out right now all right (laughs) takes the mud and puts it in the guy's eyes again and he says now what do you see and this guy's like i can see clearly now and he receives a sight now, a lot of people would think, oh, it, he, it was a progressive healing, which I do believe that. But I would like to submit to you that he was getting his spiritual sight before he was getting his natural sight. Because he says, I see men walking around like trees. And you will constantly see trees throughout Scripture correlated and connected to people. 
you're you're like, please prove it. I would love to. You remember Psalms chapter two, right? Remember this? What does he say? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the seat or walk in the way of the sinner, nor stands the path or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law, he meditates on it day and night for he will be like a who's planted by the river, whose leaves do not wither and whatever he does will prosper. Jesus said, you know, a tree by its fruit. Because a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. He's not talking about having a green thumb. He is talking about knowing the people you walk with. I would like to submit to you that what God has been trying to do since the beginning of time is get our sight right. You know what I have learned? I have learned eyes that look are common, but eyes that see, totally rare. And I I, I would like to, I, I feel like what God is doing is Arresting this moment to wipe the blurred vision off of your life. To wipe the confusion. To blow away the smoke of what you half know. What you half have. What you have have experienced. He is trying to give you the full picture tonight. I believe this is a night of prophetic clarity and accuracy. I believe it's a night that you're going to hear God if you haven't heard him already. And he is going to give you the exact reason why it happened two years ago. And what he's going to do out of it. And what good is going to come out of the pain. And what he's going to celebrate in three months with you. What he's going to do in your marriage. And that one kid that's been running away, you can see them running back to God. I'm talking about the communities you live in. He's going to give you strategies, plans, not proposals, not suggestions. But he's going to activate and ignite a fresh hunger to see transformation visit your city in a way that it's never been visited and it all happens because you got your sight right this is why you say i'm an ambush you know i i'm i i'm so moved by my sight because i feel like there's a lot of people who have been so blinded for so long I, I, it's time that you saw what he sees about your life it's God is watching over the balcony of heaven, looking down and he is trying to add context, color, clarity. It, I'm talking about piercing detail to the vision of your life. And you have to start seeing things. You have to wake up. If you're going to stay woke, number one, I'm ahead. Number two, I'm an ambush. I, I, and number three, I'm an answer. I feel like these points are declarations over your life. I feel like these are things you need to be praying. This, this is a season to say, I'm ahead. I'm an ambush. And I'm an answer. I, I'm so tired of the world telling the church, you're the problem. I'm like, um, we have never been the problem. Because the most sustainable vehicle in any sphere of society is the local church. Because the local church and those pastors in those churches will outlast any politician. They outlast all the business leaders that are in there because some of them scale and they move on or they have to be repositioned somewhere else. They outlast education because education has been disrupted completely across every spectrum in every nation. They outlast medicine. They outlast all of it. The most sustainable vehicle of transformation is the local church. When the world wanted better hospitals, the church gave them hospitals. When the world wanted a school, the church gave them a better school. Are you fine? When the world needed a better system of government, it was built out of the Bible through the local church. And the reason why that is, is because God is saying, you're an answer. But if you let your vision get impaired by the opinions of other people with, you're the problem. You're, you're dogmatic. You're outdated. The Bible's irrelevant. I'm tired of the Bible being talked about like it's a historical book. It is the word of Almighty God. It is truth in print form. There is no better way to build a marriage. There is no better way to raise kids. There's no better way to live your life. There is no college course that can teach you what the Bible can give you. There is no way training degree. There's no master class. There's no life coach that can give you the type of revelation, the type of focus, the type of fire, the type of excitement, joy, peace, and faith. That you need to run into this life. There's no better way than finding it in the word of God. You're an answer. I shared this story with this incredible room of marketplace leaders. You know, uh, a lot of you may not know what we do. And, you know, our, our vision at Missions Me is to unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations. And we accomplish this by coming in and completely adopting an entire nation 
for the better part of two to three years. And I'll never forget when we uh, were standing in the office of the president of Honduras and we said, Mr. President, the country's in pain. Your homicide rate is here. Your suicide rate is here. Your, your, your poverty lines, your food lines are extending. They're not decreasing. We said, but what if in some small part that God was speaking to your nation through the prophet Isaiah? When he said, can a nation be saved in a day? Can a people be reborn in a moment? We said, Mr. President, we want to petition you for five things. Number one, would you stand with us two years from now in the largest stadium, in the largest city of your nation, declaring Honduras is a new nation? Number two, would you open up all the borders so we can ship in millions of dollars of humanitarian aid with no red tape and tariffs? Number three, would you give us access to all your high schools in your nation so we can bring an army of 2,000 missionaries that would come in, preach Jesus, do an altar call, and a follow-up campaign for anyone that makes an eternal decision? Number four, would you give us the 18 largest stadiums in the 18 largest cities of your nation? And number five, would you underwrite all the audio, visual, and lighting for those stadiums? We like to joke, just some small asks to journey a world leader. And sure enough, President Lobososa took a, re- a resolution out of his desk and signed it in a motion. And it birthed this model that we now run with called One Nation, One Day in the Nations. As we are journeying through this, we are starting to recognize the crisis, the pain points, the depravity, the division, the, the, the corruption. We're starting to notice all, but God has kept our sight right. We have got to get not only the church united, but we've got to get this team here because the church united will do what the world divided could never do. This is why the church has got to unite. This is why I love all campuses being here. This is why I love stopping uh, and, and calling all of us into this moment because this is a form of unity. And what the enemy is more terrified of than your prayer life, than even your integrity and your character is a united church. He is terrified of you coming into alignment with the will of God and let alone linking arms with the person next to you, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their bank account or education levels, regardless of what zip code they're from. It does not matter. What matters is you being in alignment with the will of God and uniting the church together. And we knew that God was pulling us into this moment. And then all of a sudden we get a call from the minister of tourism. He says, I'm sorry, but you can't come. We're like, what are you talking about? He says, I'm sorry, but you, you can't come. We're like, no, 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 no. We're coming. Like, we've been playing this thing for a couple, you know, we're coming. He's like, no, you can't come. I'm like, listen, I'm Hispanic. We're coming. We smuggle things. We will find a way to get in this nation. I didn't say that, but I wanted to. And so I, I remember as we're like, no, we're coming. And he's like, you cannot come. We're like, why? He said, well, you chartered a 747. And the largest plane that can land in Honduras is a 737. We, we didn't know that. And in fact, we, the reason why we had to charter our own plane is because no major airline on the planet would believe that we could afford 2,000 international plane tickets. And so, I mean, none of them believe that. They don't even do that for the Olympics. I mean, this is, this is new problems the church is causing for the world, which is just the way I like it, to be honest with you. I'm an ambush. And so I, I, I remember they're sitting there like, there's no way. You can't. There's no way. And we're like, listen. What needs to happen in order for this plane to land? He's like, what? We have to tear up all the asphalt. We have to put new lighting in. We have to upgrade all the tech and the radar in the tower. We have to, uh, you have to find new emergency vehicle services, uh, new emergency vehicle services to actually service this size plane. And then you need to tear down the terminal in the airport because we don't have terminals that fit this plane. And you pretty much need to build us a bigger airport and you have nine months to do it. We said, no problem. We'll do it. And he's like, how? And we're like, we have a private funder. Now, we, we didn't do this, but we, we, faith, we didn't do this in the room. We didn't do this. This didn't happen, okay? But we're faith people in here. And this, you know, so he's like, we have a private funder. He's like, okay. And sure enough, in nine months, we watched the asphalt be torn up, poured in, new lighting going into the asphalt. We had new tech and radar upgraded in the tower. We had new emergency vehicle services donated. We had brand new terminal torn down and a brand new terminal built out. We built Honduras, a brand new airport, and the first 747 to ever land in Honduras was filled with ambassadors and missionaries from heaven. Now, why would that happen? Because we, the church, are an answer. And we were coming into a nation to disciple it in a fresh way. This is why you have to get your sight right. There's something about living the impossible. When God claims you at that level, it's not because you had all the right plans or the right connections. It's because he showed you 
a piece of the plan, the role you're supposed to play. And when you commit to that at a flawless, I'm talking about a devoted level, you will stay woke. And while everybody else is falling asleep in their opinions, while everybody else is falling asleep with their excuses, while everybody else is growing numb with their doubt and worry, you would stay awake in the place of prayer. You would fight for that thing. You will pray over that thing. You'll lay hands on it and command it to come back to life when it looks dead. I'm telling you, when you wake up in the will of God and a prophetic authority, there is nothing that convinces you more than his presence. This is why I love what he says in in, in Isaiah. He says, like I said this the other day, yesterday morning, for I am about to do something new. He says this in King James. He says, behold, I do a new thing. You know, we live in a day, especially globally, but I can say this as an American, we live right now for the next thing. What's the next tragedy? What's the next issue? What's the next division, uh, dividing light? What's the next, who's the next, uh, uh, when's the next election cycle? What's the next, what's the next? We live in this cycle of next, 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 next. What's the next uh, horror story? What's the next wildfires? What's the next, what's the next, what's the next? And God's like, I don't do next things. I do new things. He doesn't say, behold, I do a next thing. He says, behold, I'm doing something new. You don't understand, God's version of new is a lot different than than anybody else's version of new. Let me just give you an example. Can I take this deeper? Is this okay? He says, my mercy is new every morning. This man has so much mercy, stockpiled mercy, that he has mercy reserved just for today. And then he will never use the supply of mercy available to us today ever again. Because he says, my mercy is brand new tomorrow you know, i've never used this this mercy before this this pile of mercy this 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 uh, uh this stock of mercy i've never used this before i'm going to reserve this just for today so when god says i'm going to do a new thing it means i'm going to do something that is going to cause you to think it's not me he says i'm going to be the god of the impossible and you have to get used to this because this is the only way i work it says in, in, your, in your Bible, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You have to contend that you might look fanatical, strange, different, almost outcastish, but you are so convinced God has birthed a vision on the inside of me. I feel like, like God's igniting dreams again. I feel like the wind of the Spirit is blowing across this room. And I feel like He's blowing the dust off of all the excuses. He's blowing the dust off of all the reasons you shouldn't. There's some good, natural reasoning in this room like this is a bad idea. And God's going, this is the best thing you could do. There's Your degree is telling you the opposite of what God is telling you. Your experience is telling you the opposite of what God is telling you. But you have leaned so into his heart that you can't find your way out. And the only way you live is by the will of God. And you will look crazy even to those who are closest to you. But you are so convinced. He woke me up for this reason. He gave me sight for this reason. I'm ahead. I'm an ambush. I'm an answer. This is what he says to Jeremiah. He says, call to me and I will answer you. Watch this. And then I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know he says call to me the very fact that we can call to a god that answers he's not a dead god he's not a deaf god he's not a mute god he's not ignorant of the things even the smallest things in your life he says just call to me jesus and he immediately says i'll answer and not only will i answer i will open your eyes i will show you great and mighty things which you do not know this is why this is encounter weekend he doesn't want to show you the average he doesn't want to show you mediocre he don't want to show you the normal he doesn't want to show you what's already been done he doesn't want to give you a strategy that you can just remarket put a new label and call it new no no he wants to give you brand new behold i do a new thing do you not see it i will make roadways in the wilderness 
rivers in the desert. I will be the God of the impossible. I want to prophesy some impossible in the room tonight. I want what's impossible for your marriage. God's into that tonight. What you think is impossible for your finances. God's into that tonight. What you think is impossible for your life. Because you think you've messed up so bad. Or you've missed too many moments. Or you feel disqualified. I'm here to tell you the impossible is coming to visit you tonight. And there's a holy harassment in the room where he's going to shake you. And he's going to give you impossible dreams and impossible assignments. So that your degrees and your experience and all of your training doesn't get the credit. There is only one way. There is glory given and is up to heaven saying, God, had it not been for you, you would have never done that. I would have never been that smart. I would have never been that strong. I would have never been that good. It's time for the impossible. Would you stand up with me tonight? I want to give half of a word for the church. I felt, I was sitting over there, I was like, okay, tonight I'm going to release this. I feel like after tomorrow night, God is going to bring the Hope Center family into 90 days of visitation. I, I love three days. Man, I'm almost moved to tears. I love three days of this. There was a season in my life, Pastor Wayne, when we were at Christ for the Nations, where God said, cancel classes. This is a Bible college. We're supposed to have class. God says, cancel classes. And we're like, okay, Lord, how long? He said, 30 days. And we did nothing but for five hours, prayer, worship fasting I can count maybe two no three times we had a message everything else was just the student body coming in it was 30 days and the first week was awkward because it was getting out of our routine it was getting out of our normal but because we had already put in a few reps we came in that next week and it was like a spiritual ignition boom hit the room and now it wasn't five hours, it was 24 hours. Students would come in and they would worship. And this was no longer faculty led, it wasn't even student led, it was spirit led. Students would get off of work, they'd bring a blanket and a pillow. I'm not lying, they'd come and sit in the room just like this. And they would fall asleep in the chairs and they'd wake up to someone crying out to God and they'd start to cry out too. It was 30 days and I've not had a season like that in 10 years. But I remember those 30. There are things that God spoke to me in those 30 days that have marked my life. There, he showed me things in those 30 days that, that I'm running in right now that I, I was like, there's no way. And I think it's not the length of time. It's the amount of surrender and hunger. And I feel that same move of the Spirit coming on this church. God says... Hope Center is going to have 90 days of visitation. It means he's going to interrupt your dreams. I'm telling you, starting tomorrow night, you will start to dream dreams. I'm telling you, car rides will be filled with tears. You will not be able to show up to work. Don't do your makeup until you get to work. I'm telling you, he's going to move on you. Your kids are going to wake you up in the night because they're crying. And normally you think, oh, they have a tummy ache or they got a headache or they're having growing pains in one of their legs. No, they feel a longing, a spiritual longing. And they're going to re- they're going to respond to heaven. And they're going to say, Jesus, I have to have you. I don't want anything else. I'm telling you, your five-year-olds are going to prophesy to you things that you've only shared with your spouse or your parents. 90 days of visitation. He told me that these 90 days would be 90 days of practice. If I could say it any way, I would say it like this. These 90 days will be preseason. This will be practice. Because after these 90 days, there is going to be such a glory that hits Hope Center. I, I'm going to, I'm telling you, I'm looking at the days in my spirit and in my mind where I'm going to say I remember when Hope Center was small and it was only five campuses when God explodes this vision and starts to arrest the hearts of some of these leaders 
parents, men and women, say, you know what, I, I've got a claim to ministry. I, I, but I want to stay connected to this house. Do you, do you need a church in Germany? Do you need a church in Bangladesh? Man, God's, God's put Brazil on my heart. Can we do Hope Center Brazil? I'm telling you. There's a great, I know this for a fact. I don't even have to, you've shared this with me. There is a church planting anointing on this house. I'm telling you, it's, this is not for church growth. This is for kingdom expansion. 90 days of visitation. I would go buy a brand new journal. And you're going to write the number 90 on it. Because I'm telling you, it's going to be every day. He's going to be speaking. He's going to be speaking. He's going to be speaking. And you're going to be, I mean, you you just, food will not satisfy you. Sleep will not satisfy you. I'm talking about natural things will not satisfy you in these 90 days. If you're going to be, I'm telling you, you're going to feel like you're spiritually irritated. It's not that you're irritated. It's that you're so hungry. I, I feel a pull in the room. God, bring me into 90 days of visitation. Bring me into 90 days of encounter. You're sowing in three days and God's going to say, I'll meet you for 90. Ooh, I feel this right now. 90 days of visitation. I I speak to the staff, both present and those who will hear this later on. I wouldn't be surprised when God starts giving you dangerous strategies. Or when your leadership comes to you and says... We see you functioning like this, but there's a grace forming for you to start functioning like this. And they start moving you into the right position. 90 days. I feel like there's 90 days of healing. Restoration. 90 days where you, I feel like there's people in this room, you've been running from God. And God's going to say, I'm going to find you every day for 90 days. You're going to feel me. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be in the middle of your thoughts. I'm going to be the center of your attention for 90 days. I I feel this right now. I feel like he's interrupting what you had planned. God says this season is preseason. You know, there's a difference between preseason and in season. Preseason is where you're putting in more time working out. Like when I played football or when I played basketball or baseball, you, you did you had two a days. I don't know if they I'm sure they do that here. Uh, in soccer you had two a days. You do two practices a day. And you're putting in extra time and then you're in the weight room and you're putting on extra weight because you could afford if your muscle gets sore you don't have to worry about missing a game because you overdid one of those you can take the time and put in the effort and you always know who put in the time in preseason because when season shows up they're dominating and i'm here to tell you these 90 days will be preseason for you and it will be very clear who put in the time with god for 90 days Because at at that 90 day mark, there will be a strength, there will be a joy, there will be a security, there will be a direction. That 90 days will claim you with such, I'm talking about a ferocious, fierce 90 days. There's no wall between heaven and earth for these 90 days. Not for Hope Center. Father, I loose this on your people. Come on, can we just go after this in the place of prayer? I I feel this corporately tonight. Father, tonight, we want 90 days. Just speak to us. Start the conversation. Some of us are so hungry. We're like, Lord, I don't want to wait 90 days. I want it now. I don't want it to start tomorrow. Put it at 91. I want it now. Oh, God, extend the encounter. Extend the visitation.
illuminated. God, find it. Search our soul. Search our heart. Wake us up. Wake up, oh sleeper. Wake up. I say wake up to the sleeping parts of your spirit. I say wake up. Out of the comfort. Out of the casual. Out of the passive. Cut up. 